vote with your wallet. Welcome to Agency for Change, a podcast from Kid Glove that brings you the stories of changemakers who are actively working to improve our communities. In every episode, we'll meet with people who are making a lasting impact in the places we call home. If you are fortunate enough to have traveled internationally, you know what a life-changing experience it is to be immersed in the language and culture of another country. It's an opportunity where you are reminded that the world is bigger than you think, and there are people living in ways so radically different from your own that it opens your eyes to new possibilities. Today, we're going to speak with the founder of a company that has set out to give people just that. From high mountain treks to multi-sport adventures, this organization uses local guides to take travelers on unforgettable, unique experiences where they can see new cultures and customs. So, Stay tuned as we discuss how this company got its start, the ways they're helping entrepreneurs around the world, and why the work they're doing is so important. Hey, everyone, this is Lynn Weinman, President and Chief Strategist at Kid Glove. Welcome to another episode of the Agency for Change podcast. Today's guest is Chris Baker, founder of One Seed Expedition, which offers international travel experiences designed to immerse people in the unfamiliar, all while investing in local economies and helping to protect the environment. Chris, Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Ah, uh, Chris, I am so excited to talk to you. I got distracted before we started this conversation just looking at your website because your website is now my bucket list. I just I just want to say, and we'll dive deeper into that, but can you just start for people who haven't spent five minutes scrolling through your website? Uh, describe what One Seed Expeditions is and who you serve. Yeah, absolutely. So One Seed Expeditions, we're really two things at once. You know, at our core, we're a guiding outfitter. We really focus on multi-day human-powered expeditions all around the world. Um, so when we, when we talk about what we do, it's it's mostly uh, long-distance treks, uh, mountain circuits, and really getting people into remote, beautiful areas. And then we run all the logistics around that. Um, yeah. So we we take people and all their things up mountains and try to bring all of them back down. And so that's our, our core business. And that's what we do right now in eight different countries around the world. And we work with all local guides in each of those countries um, to provide you really this kind of unique access to the places where we work and also to provide really just the best experience on the trail. Um, so first and foremost, we're a guiding outfitter. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we're also a social enterprise with a really clear mission to use travel as a way of funding entrepreneurship in the places where we operate. So from the very beginning, uh, we've used 10% of our total revenue each year. We cycle through a microfinance loan program, and we work with local nonprofits to underwrite small business loans. So we're kind of these two very different things uh, going on at once. So for most of our, our you know, the, the folks that we serve, customer side, um, they see us as a, a great outfitter, um, someone who's able to take them up Kilimanjaro or Everest Base Camp or do a trek through Patagonia and provide them really great service with all the great human supply chain that we have along there. 
And then the other folks who we serve are the individual entrepreneurs in the countries where we underwrite loans. Um, and so those are usually small business owners working in informal sectors. So small retail, grocery, agricultural, livestock, and we allow them increased access to credit, play a really small part in a really big system and trying to solve a really big problem. Um, but we're a really tiny part of that. But what we are is we're access to capital for small scale entrepreneurs. Um, so those are the two things that we try to do at once. And we've been doing it for about 12 years now. Chris, it sounds like such a great mashup, right? Like you make everybody happy. You make travelers happy. You take them to great destinations. You It can be so overwhelming to plan an overseas trip to an area you've never been to or don't know anything about. But yet then you give back to the communities in such a unique way. How did you get started in this business? Yeah, so the the, the idea itself really came from trying to solve for a problem, which is, I think, a, a, good, a good starting place for any business. And the problem that we were trying to solve was one, I think, initially came from a pretty personal place, just in my own experience as a traveler. Um, I spent a lot of my late teens and 20s backpacking around a lot. And there was always this sort of gap in the things that travelers want, which is a really, they, they want an experience that provides them access to a place. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times that access is achieved through really great guides. So they want to have a really great local guide. They also want levels of you know, expertise and security in that guiding, especially in some of the areas where we work, much more remote backcountry, high altitude yeah. areas. And then they also want to be able to provide some kind of meaningful impact in places they're traveling to. And those kind of dual interests can sometimes get a little crossed in in models like volunteerism, for example, where you're trying to do both those things at once, but they are sometimes in tension where you're maybe, yeah. and I speak from, from personal experience. I was, as an 18 year old, I moved to Nepal to be an English teacher. I was very much kind of in that mindset of I'm going to travel to a place and I'm going to do something really valuable for other people because somehow by traveling from far away, like I'm bringing some sort of extra you know, knowledge. <laughs> right. And as an 18 year old, like I had none of those things, but I went and I, I moved to Nepal as an 18 year old was uh, teaching English, was an awful English teacher, but learned a ton. And so saw both the, the motivations there of travelers. So wanting to go to a place, have a really positive impact, but not always being able to, to make that happen through that model. So we looked yeah. at, microfinance is a way of really being able to support entrepreneurship um, through a really clear and transparent model. For us, you know, it's, we just take up uh, 10% of our revenue and we cycle that through a loan fund. So travelers know when they pay us, um, how much of that is being cycled through the loan fund. And then for working with local communities, um, I spent some time working in microfinance in, in uh, Nepal where we started the company and had the experience of seeing what people could do with relatively small amounts of capital. And so the business really started with trying to take this really powerful thing, which is tourism and travel, and align that with the interests of the traveler, which is to have a positive impact, but also to align it with the interests of the communities where travel has, sometimes it can have a really uh, negative impact, or it can have an yeah. impact that's aligned with the interests of that community. And so we saw microfinance as a way to better provide that, that solution, if that makes sense. I'm glad you said that, Chris, because I felt that as, as somebody who likes to travel, sometimes you go on this fabulous trip and you're having a fabulous time and then there's glimpses of reality and you're kind of looking around and you're saying, is my experience here real or is it fake? Am I, you know, I'm enjoying this, but am I, am I helping the area that I'm in or am I, am I hurting? 
And what can I even do to help? I mean, is that a, a real concern for travelers? Yeah, I think that's where I mean, most travelers who go to a place that is fundamentally different than their own day-to-day experience are going to have those feelings. Um, yeah. And I think what what our job is, is, is sort of that, that link between the traveler and the communities where these travel services are being provided is first it's, it's really about building a supply chain that aligns with a particular set of values. So looking at how do we think about, you know, who we hire uh, lodges that we work with providers that we work with to really do the due diligence that every traveler, if they had to do on their own, be really inefficient. You know, we, we want as travelers to have the sort of most aligned travel experience, uh, travel experience that's aligned with our, our principles and our values um, but we also want to be able to do it pretty conveniently and easily. Yeah. And so that's what we provide in terms of the mechanics of the trip. So we guide, we, we, we build itineraries and we build experiences around those principles, about kind of our supplier selection criteria and how we, we do that on our supply chain. But then it's also about kind of the, the mindset that you can create through travel as well. Like that, that same experience you show up and you're sort of, you know, discombobulated and unsure of everything. That's a really perfect place to start learning from um, and that's what we see for the value of travel for the traveler maybe they, they don't think about whenever they're just planning their trip but inevitably ends up being the most valuable thing that they talk about at the end of their trip is what they've learned connections they've made understandings that they've been able to take away from being you know uncomfortable in a new place yeah. we try to do both those things but i think yeah that that feeling is really very common. I think that's where most travelers are whenever they, you know, step off the plane and start that experience. And you're just wondering, what am I, what am I stepping, what am I stepping into here? That is a good place to learn from. So thinking back, Chris, 12 years ago, when you founded the company, mm-hmm. do you remember the first expedition? What that, where, where did you go and what was it like? And did anything unexpected happen or did it all just go perfectly? Uh, yeah, I definitely remember it. Uh, it was in Nepal. That's where the, the company started. So my background had been living and working in Nepal. And so that's where this kind of initial concept developed. And yeah, our first trip was an absolute disaster. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, we'd spend months training guides and, and you know, scouting these routes and getting everything ready. Um, and the first sign that we probably didn't have all of our, our stuff together was the trip happened to straddle the end of February, and we had not anticipated that it was a leap year. Oh, there was an extra day. Today in the middle of the afternoon, <laughs> uh, we realized on day one of the trip, and so right out of the gate, I was like, oh, this is, we're not prepared for this yet. <laughs> we we scrambled and we found lodging, and but it was a good, good signal for kind of where we were at in the process. But we had really understanding travelers. Uh, they kind of knew that this was new for us. Nobody nobody likes a new travel company. <laughs> it's not an appealing uh, trait. <laughs> but we learned really quickly, and we we were able to really quickly dial those things in, provide really great experiences for clients. Uh, but yeah, the first trip was definitely a little rocky. Uh, so Chris, I've been looking at your website, and it's uh, Ecuador, uh, Everest, Kilimanjaro. Bolivia, Brazil. I mean, as I'm looking through this list, what kind of trip should I take? How do you decide? Yes, yeah, so I think one of the things we try to do when we work with travelers who are 
planning their first trip is really asking like, what is the purpose of the trip? And I think that's sometimes a question like we don't ask whenever we travel, but sometimes the purpose of a trip is connection. Sometimes it's disconnection. Sometimes it's relaxation. Sometimes it's physical challenge. So um, it depends on kind of what that motivating factor is. That's um, a great first question. What is the purpose of the trip? Yeah. yeah. Usually for me, it's disconnection mm-hmm. and mild adventure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think our, our walking circuits, that's kind of our bread and butter one seed experience. We talked about this a lot over the years, like what makes a one seed trip? Like what is the yeah. And for me, a continuous walking circuit where you're being given access to a place or particular communities that are otherwise not accessible by road. So using the Himalayas, for example, you know, most of the country of Nepal to get to, you've got to do some walking. And so yeah. The moment that you are able to get off the road and start using your legs and and doing these longer walking circuits, you just see an experienced part of the country that's completely invisible to where the road network is. So, you know, I think our walking trips really provide that possibility to gain access to a place you wouldn't otherwise see, to disconnect. Uh, We love whenever all the bars and the cell phones disappear. Oh, Um, yeah. That is the best, right? Like you cannot get a hold of me. I cannot get a hold of you. I might as well just put that phone away because it is not helping me here and just enjoy everything around you. Exactly. And then the, you know, the sort of pace of walking, you know, forces you to connect in the places you're passing through. So a lot of our trips are, you know, walking circuits through towns and villages and the entire supply chain of this experience is really visible to you along the way. So you're walking and you're, you know, eating a meal in the kitchen of a family who's preparing it for you. You're staying in a lodge that's run by a family. And so that's like the kind of typical one seat experience is you're, you're away from your phone, you're moving your legs, you're connecting really directly with all of our suppliers along the way. And then you're also pushing yourself kind of the part that's variable is probably the exertion level. Like we've got everything from no matter what you're going to be walking, but, but the, we have some of our big summit trips and then we have more uh, circuit trips that are really about kind of moving through a place rather than, you know, just up and down. Up and down. That's fantastic. So I read that you like to order haircuts in different languages. So I'm wondering if you've gotten some weird haircuts over time. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I probably could use a haircut right now. <laughs> Less travel. No, I, I love uh, I love walking into a barbershop in a country that I'm visiting and sort of, you know, like pantomiming my way into a haircut and seeing what happens. <laughs> but hair and a, a, a beard. So there's a lot to work with. And usually like after spending some time in the mountains and coming back down, there's there, there's a lot to work with. So uh, yeah, right. pretty funny looking haircuts, but I like it because you just kind of have to submit. And you know, it's a style of travel that I like as well is just being okay with whatever happens. And inevitably you end up becoming like a, a source of entertainment for everybody. <laughs> the photos are very memorable from the trips when that happens. So mm-hmm. tell me, Chris, about a favorite trip. Like, is there, is there a place that you've been that you're just like, this is the best? Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, it's always, it's always whatever we're working on. Um, yeah. it's whatever. So we have, you know, our, our expeditions that we run, with our travelers, um, but preceding all those are scouting trips. And scouting trips are what I get the biggest kick out of because it's really just sort of pure discovery. Like you're you're out there, you're starting to think about how you want to design the experience for the traveler. You're starting to think about, you know, where are those kind of hidden gems along the way, the things that you 
want to step away from the the standard route for the providers that you want to pull into that um, experience, the lodge owners, the food you're eating. So for me, the scouting trips are always the best. We also do um, every couple of years we get together uh, our staff from different countries all over the world, and we'll we'll do a trip together. And those are always really special. So oh we'll have, wow! Yeah. Um, well, the last one we did was a, a river trip in uh, Utah, Colorado with you know staff from chile peru tanzania uh all over the world coming in and, and having that experience together so for me it's what it's whatever's new and what we're working on but i think the himalayas will always be a special spot because uh, that's where we started yeah yeah that all sounds amazing all right i love talking about the travel but let's also talk about the other side of your business so you've talked about giving back the 10 percent of all trips to local communities through the loan program how do you choose who to give the loans to? And I, I'm curious, is there any kind of red tape you have to cut through? Like, what is the, the what are the restrictions that you come across in that type of thing? Uh, yeah, so that's a, a question we get a lot. Um, and the short answer is everything that we do is dependent on having really great nonprofit partners in those uh, countries where we've met. That's a great idea. Um, yeah. So you're not just meeting people and handing out loans. You have partners that you're working through and they're helping you in the communities. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Exactly. So my background was working as a, a fellow with Kiva, which is a, a lending platform based out of San Francisco. And what they do is they enable individuals from all over the world to underwrite loans for uh, borrowers all over the world. And then they're underwritten or they're, they're mediated and, and underwritten ultimately by local microfinance institutions. And so those microfinance institutions are regulated in the countries where they operate. You know, they're usually treated with some of the same, you know, lending restrictions and expectations of uh, small banks. So typically they're called uh, financial intermediary NGOs. Um, That just means that they have some sort of lending authority, the ability to uh, make loans, charge interest on those and administer those loans. And so that's who we always work through in the countries where we operate. But then what that looks like for the borrower that, that receives a loan from uh, one of those microfinance institutions is, you can use Nepal for an example, the borrowers will go and typically sign collectively a shared liability loan. So usually the problem that microfinance is working to solve um, in microloans and credit in particular here is individuals who don't have access to collateral that need access to capital and they don't have collateral against which to borrow. But what they do have are strong social ties in the communities where they live. And so uh, shared liability is typically the, the solution for that in a place like, say, rural Nepal, where a borrowing group comes together. And then the individual uh, sort of value or approval of the loan is determined within that borrowing group. So the neighbors and community members who are basically co-signing on that loan evaluate the sort of worthiness of that loan recipient and the loan purpose. And then the loan is dispersed um, and then paid back over a repayment period. For our loans, it's anywhere from usually one to three years is the loan cycle. Got it. You really have unique experience. You're probably one of the few people in the world that has this kind of international micro lending experience plus travel experience. And I, I love hearing how people's paths kind of come together to, to do these unique things. So our companies met at a B Corp conference because One Seed Expeditions and Kid Glove are both certified B Corps. I'm curious, 
what led you down the path of becoming a B Corp? And what was that experience like, the certification experience like for you? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we're just coming up on our, our thir- third year. So we're recertifying right now. Congratulations, by the way. So we saw a couple of things to, to submit this month. Um, we should oh, be, that's true. Yeah. That congratulations might be premature. Yeah. I, I have I have no doubt that you are going to be fantastic with your recertification. Yeah, and for, for us, the uh, B Corp for us was a really great way to articulate and codify a lot of what we were already doing. So the you know the initial model for one seed has always been it's always been a social enterprise model from the very beginning. So I think in a lot of ways that helped us in terms of simplicity. Business itself was structured so that the two parts of what we do uh, support each other. The uh, the travel side of what we do provides the capital for the lending and the lending activities that we do provide what travelers are looking for, which is being able to provide benefit in the places they're traveling to. So those things have always been really well aligned for us and has made, I think in a lot of ways, like for a social enterprise, you need those two things to be well aligned. If they're in tension or if one is sort of a trade-off for the other, it doesn't work over the long term. And so when it came time to pursue the B Corp certification, it was much more about just taking what we were doing and really giving it some teeth um, yeah. by complying it in terms of our policies, you know, operating manuals, employee handbooks, doing all the things that you know, are best practices that we should be doing anyway, um, and really committing to that in writing. And for us, it was looking at our overall model. That was probably the easiest part because we were, you know, already had that social enterprise model built in from the beginning. The next was then looking at, I think the part of our business that we undervalued the most prior to B Corp was uh, our supply chain and really thinking about how purchasing decisions, especially in travel, are so impactful because you're usually working with tons and tons of really small direct providers. Um, And that's both a challenge, but it's also an incredible opportunity to be able to direct resources to the you know, the types of operations and the, the types of partners that align with your principles. That's a real kind of luxury we have as a travel business because you're putting those things together with every single trip. And then the third part was really looking at employee protections and the commitments that we make to our team. And I think that part was probably the most important for what then came next. We certified in January, 2020. And by March you know, 15th of that, that year, um, our whole world had shut down. Oh, travel. yeah. Yeah. What was that like, Chris? I mean, here you had just come through this rigorous process. I have said many times the B Corp certification is rigorous, but worth it, right? Like for Kid Glove, it it helped us do exactly what you said that so well. It helped us articulate and codify. And then there were a few areas where it made us better because we we said, wow, we've never thought about that. We should We should really think about that and make some decisions. But then you went through the process, your travel company, the world shuts down and travel essentially stops, right? What was that like for you? It, it was awful. I mean, we we had set, I believe it was March 15th was the day of our, it was going to be our, our B-Day party, our B-Corp certification. Oh, on that day. Yeah. Wow. Fighting folks and getting ready to celebrate. It had been 10 years for us in, in business and then the B-Corp certification was kind of the part of that process for us, you know, just really recommitting to what we do. And so we're planning for this party and then we're like, this party's probably not going to happen. Yeah. We went from this party is not going to happen to our business is completely gone in two weeks. And so, you know, the immediate effects where we had travelers out on the trail as, you know, borders were shutting down and 
flights were canceling. And so we were just trying to get people off the trail and back. Wow. And that was when, I mean, it was just hours, like new countries were shutting down and people were getting shuttled around everywhere. That was the immediate and we worked really hard um, to solve for that. And then just sales went to zero. Um, we basically, our, our sales were more or less zero for 14 months. It was brutal. Wow. I'm getting heart palpitations. Just it hit it hit us hard as a marketing agency. It hit us hard, but not for very long. You know, things as soon as kind of PPP loans started going, our world came back and we were able to work virtually. Yep. You weren't able to do that. Yeah, and for us it was because, you know, hundred percent of our trips were international. And when borders closed, there wasn't even an option. There wasn't even, you know, there was zero demand, but there was also wow. no ability to operate. And, and things, you know, gradually opened up, but it was about 14 months until things, there was truly like a path forward to be able to do sales again. And so there's no kind of budgeting or pivoting out of zero revenue. Um, yeah, right, right. There, you can't crunch the numbers when there's no numbers yeah. to crunch. <laughs> yeah. So we had to make really, really difficult decisions as a team and had to make those, you know, really transparently, collectively. Yeah. And, and what B Corp did for us, it didn't solve any of the of objective reality of, you know, having no revenue and no clear path forward. But what it did do for us is it, it had given us several months, you know, mostly preceding year, really having a lot of those deep conversations about like, what is our purpose? What are our roles and stakeholders in this process? Who do we serve? What is our, our mission here? So we're kind of primed to think pretty deeply about what it was we do and why. And so when the decision to, you know, we immediately, all of us went on furlough, um, around the world. So all of our uh, country directors and uh, staff in the U.S., we did a, a big GoFundMe. All of our past travelers ended up being a pretty incredible insurance uh, policy. That um, says a lot. Wow. We were able to do a GoFundMe for all of our uh, local guides and the places where we operate. Now, that was when we thought that we just needed to get to September. Or right. It was going to be a few months or a few weeks. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that was the first stage. And then we, you know, kind of just rode waves of hope. You know, we, we did all the, all the things we did. We were all on we got loans. We, you know, had hope and then Delta hit us again. And uh, so it, it was a lot of uncertainty. We, we worked at part-time for significant chunks of that, but what we were able to do, I think really well as a team was just communicate really clearly you know, I saw my responsibility, not necessarily to have all the answers, because again, at, at zero revenue, like the answers are really limited, um, yeah. so bad, but to try to be really clear about our rationale, like what our priorities were as we got through that. And what that meant for our team was lots of uncertainty about employment and furloughs and what we rode through it. And we, yeah. we got out on the other side of it, but you know, we never knew how long it was going to be, but that, that B Corp, structure really gave us guardrails for decision making we were kind of clear about like here are what our non-negotiables are here's what our priorities are and it also gave us i think structure for everyone to have a voice in that process and to understand kind of what their like what the commitments were as a team to each other as well yeah you know chris first of all i admire you for what you went through and for persevering and being where you are today which makes me even more likely to get on your website and book a vacation <laughs> i'm 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 talking to my husband tonight just just so you know but i think your reference to b corp there as well i feel a lot of the same way and i've talked to a number of 
founders and leaders who are in B Corps who kind of went into it from the standpoint of, you know, having that certification and come out the other side as just a better company, a better Mm -hmm. organization with a better structure, a more thoughtful approach. And I think also a almost a a network or family of other organizations that you can reach to and say, hey, I'm going through this. What are you guys going through? And, And being out there to help one another versus compete, which I think is a really, really neat thing too. So after hearing about all of that, I'm really curious about What's what's next for One Seed Expeditions, Chris? What what do you have? Uh, what do you have on the future? Yeah, so this last year, a year and a half, has been about just getting back to full strength. And so we are, we're you know more or less at where we were before the pandemic in terms of our team and running trips. And uh, so this past year has just been really restoring, um, and that's felt great. Um, yeah. And now we're finally able to look forward again. That's been really exciting. So. A couple of things in the works. We've got, we're looking to bring on 10 new destinations um, in the next 18 months. Did you just say 10 new destinations? Yeah. So one, cool. of the things, yeah, one of the things we tried to do, you know, during the last couple of years is really thinking about where do we want to be, where do we want to ultimately expand to and um, be able to offer really great trips in these new destinations. So we've got about 10 new spots we're going to be rolling out in the next coming year. And then we also have a program called One Seed Labs, which is a program that we started just before the pandemic, and it's really focused on high school students. And so when COVID happened, it was kind of the first thing to get shut down, and nobody was traveling, and schools were definitely not doing large class trips. Oh, that. gosh, no. But the model for One Seed Labs is working with high school students and using travel as a way to think creatively and entrepreneurially about really difficult problems, but coming from from different perspectives. So in the same way that One Seed Expeditions was built to try to solve that mismatch in terms of what adventure travelers want whenever they go to a place and what's often available to them, One Seed Labs is trying to do the same thing, but for the high school learning trip. So a a lot of times that high school learning trip is you know, sort of built around a, a service component. And the idea is, again, I, I did this as, a, as an 18-year-old myself, you know, you fly around the world to another place and show up and provide some sort of good, but it's not necessarily like the most genuine or or authentic uh, value that you can bring to that, that situation. Yeah. So we looked at high school travel and, and these learning trips and said, so how can we do this better? And for us, it's like, you know, we try to take the best part about travel, which is that disorientation, the the experience of being really unfamiliar and uncomfortable in a place as a starting point for learning and deep learning that can come from that place of humility. Like I'm, I'm new in this place and, and everything is uncertain and I'm, I'm thinking about everything in a new way. And then working with entrepreneurs in those locations and we have a really great insight there and, and, and kind of access to the work that we've done through the microfinance investments that we've we've supported over the years. So how to connect students with really inspiring entrepreneurs in the places where we operate to learn, you know, basic design thinking and problem solving skills in a really unfamiliar context, but using that experience of travel to kind of prime the the student for that type of learning. I love that. I love that. So when that comes online, that will be on your website as well. 
Yep. So that'll be under uh, One Seed Innovation Labs. And that will be, we're looking at launching, we originally had three countries rolling out and, and yeah, working with uh, high schools now to start uh, onboarding that again. That's fantastic. I, I love that that is coming back on board. So talk to me a little bit. I'd love to hear your perspective on the need for creative thinkers and doers in the world. You referenced the importance of creative thinking a bit earlier. Yeah, I mean, I think specifically within the context of travel, you so, so many insights and kind of sparks of creativity come from being uncomfortable and being in unfamiliar places. And travel is just such a great way to facilitate that. And so, you know, I've got I've got uh, two kids, and we have been fortunate enough to be able to travel with them a lot over the years. And the ability for travel to kind of stop them in their tracks and make them really confused really quickly about like the most mundane things, whether it's yeah. wondering like, why does this work like this? Or why does, why is this eaten this way here? Why does this appear really confusing to me? Like there must be a good reason that this particular thing is happening in front of me. And then just the conversations and like the depth of learning that can come from that initial spark. So we see travel as just really important for driving that type of creativity, creating you know, students and travelers and just people who can go forward and apply that in everything that they do. And I think for me, like that's ultimately like what travel is about. It's getting to kind of slide into, you know, another perspective and another experience, even for shorter periods of time. There's a ton of value that can come from that that I don't think we always think about whenever we think about, I want to go to this destination and see this beautiful thing. Like that discomfort and learning that come from that are usually the thing that sticks and the thing that travelers actually come back and talk about and value. Nice. So since you've just taken us on that path of discomfort leads to creativity, leads to a good outcome, I'm going to ask you a question that might make you uncomfortable. How about that? Sure, go for it. Everybody who listens to Agency for Change knows my favorite question is to ask our guests for an original quote. Would you be willing to give me an, an original Chris Baker quote to inspire us? I was I was thinking about this and kind of how to express you know, what's what's important for us and you know this isn't necessarily original but I think you know I, I would say vote with your wallet like there we we so often underestimate the ability to affect change and support the world that we want to be in um, through our purchasing decisions and I think the more that we distance ourselves from that thinking or the more passive we are in the purchasing decisions we make as, as consumers. That's how we interact with the world. That's how we, that's how we allocate value. That's how we express like what matters to us. And when you realize that you, you can really do some pretty powerful things. So whether as the individual consumer, you know, you're able to express what matters to you by working with companies and preferring to work with a, a B Corp who's committed to those values and has expressed them and has been able to verify them or, you know, engaging with a place as a consumer and, and, and knowing that like that is how you express your values. And there are lots of other ways to express your values as well, expressing them in your, your beliefs and, but the wallet really matters as well. And that's yeah. how we value around in the world. Um, and that's what we see as our job is to try to align those things better through the work we do. Such a great point, Chris. And I'm actually seeing more and more studies come out 
that people people are actually realizing that that they're choosing to spend their money with brands who are making a positive difference even choosing to work for companies or organizations that are making a positive difference so i i do think there's an awakening to this this power that everyone has with how they spend their resources and their time so we've mentioned your website a couple of times, Chris, but what is the best way people who have listened, who want to find out about these great trips, who want to find out more about the micro lending or your B Corp journey, how can they find out more about you? So the best place to find us is oneseedexpeditions.com. Find us also across all social as One Seed Expeditions. Um, and yeah, we try to really show what we do and we are lucky to be back and traveling in all the places that we do. So um, we're looking forward to really busy next year. Ah, I am crossing my fingers for you. That is that is fantastic. So Chris, as we wrap up this great conversation, what is the most important thing that you would like to leave us with about the work that you're doing? You know, I, I think I think I just never want to overstate the work that we're doing. We are, we, we've got a great model and I think we have a great you know, mission and, and set of principles that we work towards. Um, but we are a really small part of working towards the, the solutions and goals that we have. And so I think it's important that we always state that as a company, but it's also important for travelers or consumers in general to know that every company in the world doesn't have to do everything. We're kind of comfortable in our, our small niche and what we do. We try to be a really, really great outfitter. And we try to affect change and in, in the work that we do through the One Seed Fund. And I don't know if that's inspiring or not, but that's important to, to us is like kind of understanding what we actually do. I think that's fin. I think it's fantastic, Chris. I love, I love the niche that you have chosen. I love the focus that you have. And you know, I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule, your travel schedule, to have this conversation with us today. Absolutely. It's been a blast. We hope you enjoyed today's Agency for Change podcast. To hear all our interviews with those who are making a positive change in our communities or to nominate a changemaker you'd love to hear from, visit kidglove.com at K-I-D-G-L-O-V.com to get in touch. As always, if you like what you've heard today, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed today's Agency for Change podcast. To hear all our interviews with those who are making a positive change in our communities or to nominate a changemaker you'd love to hear from, visit kidglove.com at K-I-D-G-L-O-V.com to get in touch. As always, if you like what you've heard today, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.